0: What did we just watch, Amy?
1: We watched Shaun of the Dead from early 2004.
0: 2004. <laughs> from early. <laughs> from long time ago. Yeah, 2004 was a long time ago, which is kind of weird.
1: But also, I remember 2004, so, so it this is a sign long. that we're getting older, <laughs> old, old. Yes, so, our first impressions of Shaun of the Dead, which mm-hmm. Kevin has seen umpteen number of times. You know,
0: I was thinking about it, and I think I've seen this the fewest times out of the Edgar Wright oeuvre. I mean, I, mean, I think I've only seen Baby Driver, like, twice. Um, but I'll just come right out and say it's not my favorite Edgar Wright movie.
1: Well, you mean you've seen the other, and what is the curmudgeonly the- trilogy? cornetto
0: trilogy (laughs) trilogy. so i've seen i've seen hot fuzz probably the most of the cornetto trilogy um followed by the world's end and i've and hot fuzz the least but i've also seen like i've seen baby driver like twice i've seen uh yeah i know we hear you cat um i've seen scott pilgrim like a bajillion times i've definitely seen that one the most yes um, so we yeah. talked
1: about that on Scott Pilgrim.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh,
1: that suddenly, life with Kevin made more sense of all of the random <laughs> things he says from time to time.
0: <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, so, yes, but it was Amy's probably first time seeing it.
1: Yeah, I feel like it looked familiar, like I'd seen clips on it, or maybe I walked in while Kevin was watching it and mm-hmm. walked back out of the room. Or-
0: I mean, it's definitely... I think, to a certain extent, been absorbed by the cultural lexicon as well, mm-hmm. um, with references and things like that. Um, but it was a it was a pretty revolutionary film, especially when it came out. Like there wasn't the zombie comedy romantic comedy genre at the, that point in <clears throat> time. Um, the zombie rom com or zom com, right? Right. If you feel like being specific,
1: which is why I would. I mean, like don't like. Sorry, we have to entertain our cat.
0: Yeah. Oh. Uh, yes, you generally don't like zombie movies. I don't like zombie movies, um, as
1: we've established. But I, I'll watch them if they're doing something outside the box.
0: Yes, which this I'm one saying. is, and and I still don't think there's many films that have captured what this film does. Yeah. um I was thinking of other zombie comedies. There's like Zombieland, which has a very different aesthetic and and purpose. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, not a lot of zombie comedies even still. Yeah, there's a zombie romantic comedy in the form of Warm Bodies, which is about a romance with a zombie. I
1: did watch that, which oh, is
0: okay. very loosely based on Romeo and Juliet, which is weird.
1: Well, any time that there are
0: <laughs> two households, both alike in dignity, people
1: from very different walks of life, and
0: we say loosely based on then, yeah, yeah, and
1: that's that is not. Not doing anything justice. Um, it, oh, gosh. But this is... Well, this one had very little zombie mm-hmm. kind of attack or, like, image yes. of the zombies, which I like. <laughs> yeah, minimize... See less of the zombies. The zombies. That is... That's my, my preference. Yeah. Well,
0: one of the things I really enjoy watching it this time was how much the zombie apocalypse is going on in the background for the first third of the film mm-hmm. um oh, gosh. which is is funny because i think i mean a that's how these th- sorts of things would probably happen you know if a realistic zombie apocalypse happened um
1: or i don't know global pandemic global
0: pandemic was happening <laughs> yeah i did make a note that uh philip was a uh pandemic denialist because he got attacked by the zombies, he's like, "Oh, they're just making a big, you know, big to do about nothing." Mm-hmm. And then he got and turned then into he a zombie. Got
1: turned into a zombie. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: I, I made that note, and I'm like, "Oh, zombie denialism. That's that's where we're at."
1: Well, it's an example of. So this isn't a. It's not really. It's it, it's not a horror movie. It's more no. of a send up, or it's it's a riff on the zombie apocalypse. Movies, yes, um, and I would say a loving
0: rift, like I th- yeah. this, this is clearly a film that likes zombie movies more than we do,
1: <laughs> yes, yes, and so it's not quite a parody mm-hmm. um it's just a, it's a different take, um, but I do like as we've been talking with horror movies when horror movies are about something else, yes. in the metaphor,
0: and this is definitely that
1: <laughs> it's definitely has in the metaphor while also being really about these characters working out their relationships with each other mm-hmm. very explicitly. Yes. Um. So it could have been a zombie ap- apocalypse. It also could have just been like a tropical storm that came through and like yes. forced them
0: to have to deal with each other. <laughs> to deal with each other.
1: Um. But yeah, because the first third of the movie is this zombie apocalypse beginning and they're everyone is so wrapped up in their own lives that they are not
0: just not paying attention, not no noticing idea. it
1: at all, um, and that's kind of the metaphor that I that they they are zombies in their own life. <laughs> Um, in a very different way than, like, The Walking Dead is about the humans, not the...
0: we're the Walking Dead.
1: The actual zombies, (laughs) but, um, the characters are so stuck in their routines, um, because it's easier to do that Mm -hmm. than to change, and change is scary. You go to the
0: Winchester every night.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you don't have to make any decisions, you don't have to grow up, Mm -hmm. or you can grow up very minimally, um, which is... Enhanced by like the ways in early film, people who are not zombies are doing kind of like zombie movements. They have that quite (laughs) a few times. Simon (laughs) Pig like walking, you know, just waking up to get in the (laughs) you know just first thing in the morning before your coffee. Yeah. Um, But the people in the bus who are just staring into space Mm -hmm. and and, um, you know caught in the mundanity of. Yes, of their lives, um, the not funness and somewhat the misery, you know, soul crushing. Yeah, retail jobs, like things you just you just hate. You just hate, but Doesn't have to do it anyway. But you, you, you got to do the adult thing and like yeah, make money. Although, of course, live. Sean
0: definitely is not doing the adult thing for most of the film. Yeah, because <laughs> it's it's sort of about his growth more than anything, yeah. and sort of this realization that his literal best plan is to go to the bar that he always goes to because that's the only safety he knows whether or not it's actually that safe, (laughs) which uh, it turns out not to be. Well,
1: I mean, it's, he has a codependent relationship with Ed. Yes.
0: Absolutely. And Ed is the one who isn't even trying to grow
1: up, um, or be responsible. Yeah. (laughs) Um, responsible in, in the ways that capitalism makes us mm-hmm. having a job to pay for things and
0: yeah. contribute. And remembering to make reservations for your date. Um,
1: well, that wasn't Ed's fault. <laughs> that wasn't Ed's fault. That was Simon's. Simon's fault. Um, because it's really His Ed... Oh, yeah. The actor's <laughs> name is Simon. Uh, it's really Ed who pushes for going to the Winchester. Yes. Their, yeah. their regular tavern. Because Sean is...
0: safe and he can smoke.
1: Sean is like, well, let's come back to our place or let's stay at you know my mother's house or yeah. we'll stay at my girlfriend's flat yeah and like
0: <laughs> and ed keeps going nah and that's how they end up at the winchester the place
1: that's safe for me that i know yes, i'll feel comfortable. comfortable
0: and i can smoke
1: <laughs> and it's gonna be much more dangerous to get to yes
0: absolutely yeah because i, I now you're saying that, like, they, they go to all these places, they go to their parents' house, they go to Liz's house, all of which are, at least at the time, demonstrably safer than the Winchester. Yeah. So they keep sort of leaving safety.
1: Right. And probably places that have at least some food stocked. Yeah. Um, and water and, you know, some things that would last them, not forever. Yeah. But for a little while, um, which... The Winchester does not. It's no. very. It is reminded several times <laughs> that they just have pub snacks and not food, food, food. Yeah. So that's all wrapped into the metaphor. Yes. Of the movie, that fear of change mm-hmm. um, and routines and... is holding
0: you back and hurting you and making you have to shoot your mum in the face. <laughs> that, that might not be metaphorical. That might just be what happened, but. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, so I guess we've established that I get the, the kind of, the protagonist is Sean, Sean of the dead Mm -hmm. and, but also his buddy Ed Mm -hmm. and they're, they're very much two losers. Oh yeah. Basically. Um, but what I thought also thought was interesting that as the movie goes on, um, the, the guy David, Mm -hmm. who's the boyfriend of Liz's sister. Yes. Um, he's also a loser, but in a different way. Yes. so you get these like different categories of people who are cowardly and, and losers.
0: losers. <laughs> yes, yeah, honestly, I think Liz made the right decision to dump him in the first place mm-hmm. um, i i I don't know that they should have gotten back together at the end, but you know that trauma brings you closer together
1: right. <laughs> Well, it seems like she she loved him. Yes, and that's why she had stuck it out in that as relationship long as she for had. Yeah. as long as she had, because she did actually. Um, hmm. She did love him.
0: Yeah. What other thoughts? Did you like the film? I guess there's that, that question. You know.
1: Yeah. Yes, I, I did. I didn't dislike it. <laughs> so. Uh, my, like I said, I like the metaphor mm-hmm. aspects of it, and I liked the um, the imagery of, of the humans moving like zombies mm-hmm. through their life t- as a precursor to the actual zombies. But I'm also kind of like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it's hard because it's if it, I had seen it 20 years ago, I would have had a different... Sure.
0: That's, that's hard sometimes with with any of like the sort of not genre defining but sort of like movies that have such a big impact on popular culture mm-hmm. and, yeah. and you
1: go back and you've you've missed the moment yes to um uh, get it
0: yeah well it's interesting because i can definitely see like a lot of edgar Wrightisms that he refined over the years yeah in his it did movies. look
1: it looked like a very first not very first, but it was it was an early draft of Edgar Wright filmmaking. Yes,
0: um, you know, lots of lots of call forwards, lots of clever editing. Um, I, I made a note of the scene towards the beginning when he's flipping channels, and like we're getting each channel is a continuation of the same sentence. Yes, um, and so we, the audience who are paying attention, get this whole like. The movie telling us what's going on the zombie apocalypse but he is so unaware that he doesn't even notice it and he's just sort of flipping channels and that sort of stuff like again that's very clever and that's very Edgar Wrightian of sort of like what's going on or um, another one of those is after Ed and Peter their upstairs flatmate um, have a fight Ed says the next time I see him he's dead um, and, of course, the next time we see him, he's dead. Like, mm-hmm. that's sort of, like, it's clever. It's very foreshadowing. Um, it's it's grounded in the people. Uh, but it's definitely funnier if you know that he's going to be a zombie in the next scene. Mm-hmm. So it works better on second or third viewing. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is true of Edgar Wright movies in general. I think they always get better on, on repeat viewings because he does put so much work into that. Or um, the scene again towards the beginning when we see Sean walk from his front door through the gate to the shop and then back and we it's it's one long take it's very grounded in the the reality of the place and then of course we repeat that the next day after the zombie apocalypse has fully happened mm-hmm. and everything's different and he's still oblivious he doesn't notice yes um you know the shot of him opening the fridge with the two bloody handprints on this thing and he's just unaware um so that that sort of Again, is the filmmaking of Edgar Wright and him him figuring Edgar out the things, and again they're very clever. But I think having seen, for example, The World's End, which does a lot of similar things, like dialing that clever up so significantly mm-hmm. um, that this feels quaint almost.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's those moments that I probably appreciated the mm-hmm. most. Yeah, the, the clever, the clever moments. Yeah, the um, filmmaking. And I think. That's one of the things that, that got this movie remembered, and the other one was that it's kind of funny mm-hmm. the way that they fall into, they fall into fighting the zombies. Yes, there's nothing graceful or, or like action packed <laughs> about um, killing zombies. Yeah, um, and a lot of dealing with them is um, like. Trying to pass as one and, yes. and hiding from them, and they're you know quickly making use of the fact the zombies move very slowly, mm-hmm. even even when they're coming over to bite you. Yeah, you got you, can, you, got, you, got, you to got some time. time. Uh, if there's too many of them, you got a problem. You got a but... problem, but um. So I think that was one of the first. Kind of takes on zombies yes. uh, that was kind of funny. The way *Zombieland* is mm-hmm. kind of funny.
0: Yeah, it's it's sort of it's it's playing with the tropes in ways that a lot of other films just ignore or or get around by making them fast zombies. Mm-hmm um because slow zombies are just kind of funny inherently like one of them by himself like there's this scene where they're drunkenly walking home and there's a zombie in the middle of the street and they're singing along with it and going Mm -hmm. like it's funny because he's not much of a threat it's just one walking corpse it's when there's a bunch of them that it's a problem yes yeah and there were lots of little Um, nods to other zombie films of which I'm not super familiar with. One of them I do know was in the the phone scene when he's calling his mom to say, we're coming to get you, Nick Frost. Ed says, we're coming to get you, Barbara, which is a very famous line from Night of the Living Dead. Mm. Um, Early in the film, one of the characters who dies very early on in the film also, I think, is making fun of his sister for being scared or girlfriend. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but he says, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Mm
1: -hmm. And then
0: he gets eaten by a zombie or something. So those sorts of like clever meta references that are, that are clever.
1: They're clever. And they're coming kind of from a loving place. Yes. Of the zombie genre Mm -hmm. and history of film. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>
0: Do you have more? Do you have other thoughts? Uh,
1: yeah. Well, so we don't have a lot of thoughts. I, I can't remember why this was on our list. I think we wanted to just test out to see another zombie movie if I would like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it's kind of playing, playing with the mm-hmm. genre. Um,
0: yeah, I think you like it more than other zombie movies, but...
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very, like... Man forward film, too. Oh, yeah,
0: that's Edgar Wright, also. Yeah,
1: and <laughs> and that that can be that can grade on me sometimes. Yeah. And I guess yesterday was one of the days where it was grading on me a little bit. Fair enough. Uh, well, I was looking glancing through Wikipedia, which is obviously a great source of information, sure, but part of it was on um, some of what film scholars have talked about post 911 horror films and how this. Fits into hmm. that um, what they say was a kind of a style of, of horror that kind of emerged. post post 11 which also made me think. Which I'm thinking is like disaster. Right? We have a lot of disaster films. Was it pre nine eleven? We or? had a lot,
0: we had I think more pre nine eleven. Yeah, because well, I'm thinking of like that Lindsay Ellis video where she compared Independence Day to War of the Worlds mm-hmm. as sort of pre and post nine eleven disaster yeah. films, right? Um, but, yeah, I feel like we didn't have a lot of disaster movies post
1: 9-11. We had maybe an uptick in zombie movies.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. This is
1: why you shouldn't just take something from Wikipedia. <laughs> you know. So I wasn't really interested in diving into why this is a post 9-11, yeah. like, horror thing. But it did make me think post Hiroshima. hmm and Nagasaki... Was Nagasaki the second one? Yes. Okay. Uh In Japan, the way the Japanese film dealt with that, mm-hmm. like, apocalypse... Yes. ...afterwards and created this whole, like, genre that is so honored in film history. Mm-hmm. Like, it's great movie making um, as they were dealing with... Are you with speaking that? of
0: the kaiju film genre? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, just checking. I'm like, are we on
1: the same page? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that they this is how they deal with the disaster mm-hmm. and they create like this kind of disaster movie. It's yeah. fantastical. Um, and I don't know how much you could talk about Kurosawa to pulling from Japanese past kind of.
0: Yeah. I don't, um, I don't know enough about Kurosawa to say one way or the other, but I'm sure it is inflected. I mean, it's one of those things that like nine eleven so much of society changed because of that that like you can't not acknowledge that in your readings of the text <laughs> you know yeah. anything made in Japan in the 50s or 60s that
1: is responding is under
0: the cloud under the mushroom cloud so to speak um yeah. in some way or another
1: yeah so it made me think of what the post covid Film, film industry scene. is going to look what, like. What, yeah. What's going to happen? How is this going to
0: just, just change us? Because it's
1: often in a horror... Like Kurosawa, if we can put Kurosawa there or any of the junk... That's yeah. not horror. But mm-hmm. but there is this like little parts of horror that come out of yeah. um, these kind of pivotal moments in history. And yeah. so what will be the post-COVID horror film... That's an
0: interesting question.
1: ...look like yeah. and be about...
0: I think it won't be about zombies. I think that's too on the nose. I
1: mean, yeah. <laughs> and probably not about pandemics. Yeah. Of not... Um...
0: In the same way, we sort of had a dearth of disaster films after 9-11. Like, we don't want to see buildings get blown up anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. So you go do something while. like a, a, zombie a zombie instead. Yeah. Um...
0: That is interesting. We should watch Godzilla.
1: Yeah, well, that's just an excuse for you to buy the entire Criterion Godzilla box. Uh Uh Uh-huh. 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 Uh-huh.
0: It's not the entire Godzilla franchise, unfortunately. It's the the Toho period, which is the first 10 or 12 or 20 years. I don't know my Godzilla history. But it's it's a lot of Godzilla in one big book box thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So not... Uh, Post-COVID won't, probably won't be zombie films or any. Because zombie is a sub-genre of a pandemic
0: yes. film. yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's a sub,
1: yeah, sub-genre,
0: sub-category.
1: The other thing mm-hmm. that I thought was interesting is the ending of Shaun of the Dead. Because it's not really what you expect. It's not the normal ending yes. for a zombie film where yes. either everyone dies or they find the compound that's heavily (laughs) guarded and every all the humans live in the compound and and are protected from the zombie world outside. And they in the world of Shauna of the Dead, they learn to coexist with the zombies. Yes. And they give them menial labor positions (laughs) and I guess like have something to make them bite less. Yeah. Uh, and so (sighs) <sighs> who's not name is Sly- Sean. Sean? Gosh, I'm sorry. It's early in the morning. This is like a third cup of coffee, but apparently that wasn't enough. Um, just keeps his buddy Ed, who's who who sacrifices himself. Yeah. Um his who is a zombie now in the shed out back. Yeah, he just and lives they, in the shed and they play they video games. They go back to their old routine <laughs> of playing video games, and that's just the new normal. Yeah. Um and and I appreciated that, that what the aftermath was is hey, the zombies didn't go away. Yeah. But we we found a new normal. We found a way to that's make not two. the compound up north <laughs> where all the humans escaped to. Yes. And I thought that was also an interesting moment to have at this point during our pandemic (laughs) of what the new normal will be when we're living with this disease. Yeah. From now on. It's not going away. uh, We won't go back to our old ways. We'll have a little zombie in our shed out back.
0: (laughs) A zombie in the shed.
1: (laughs) That we'll feed and play video games with from time to time. Yeah. Do you have to feed zombies? I think that's an interesting question. Well, it depends on which. Do you have to feed these movie. zombies? Because obviously, yeah.
0: you can go look at like Eye great show. We watched it yeah. all; it was very fun. Um, where the zombies only became ragers if they weren't fed regularly. Yeah. So you could you could be a normal human, intelligent zombie
1: as long as you just ate brains yeah. regularly. Yeah,
0: you just got a steady diet of brains; you'll be okay.
1: Yes, well, it appears in Shadow of the Dead* the the um, it's not just brains that sustain a zombie; mm-hmm. it is just eating humans. Yes, yeah. which
0: I think is is true to life of the of like the original mm-hmm. zombie films, like *Night of the Living Dead*, *Dawn of the Dead*. Um, it wasn't until I'm probably going to get this wrong. It wasn't until *Return of the Living Dead*, which was the other sequel to *Night of the Living Dead*, because there's a sort of branch the. Day of the Dead series, or Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead series, and there's Return series, so Return of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead 2, 3, and 4. I think it was Return of the Living Dead, which was made by, like, a co-creator of um, George Romero's. They worked on the first one together and went in very different directions. That was the one that invented the brains, like, mm. the moaning, like, we want to eat your brains, because that went in a very, like, pop-campy direction, mm-hmm. um, whereas George Romero was like, no, I keep, want to keep making political allegories in my films. Yeah. Um so it's it's an interesting thing that like those have sort of wound up culturally closer to each other um the eating brains specifically rather than just eating human flesh generally.
1: I mean, got to think though you want to feed a zombie um because the hungrier they get the more aggressive Yeah. I mean that's how humans work. That is how humans work. The hungrier work. you get,
0: the more aggressive you get. <laughs> the
1: more aggressive you get. That is the term "hangry." Yes. That we we have. So I feel like, but then you know, like, what do you feed them? Yeah. You, know, do you feed them interesting like, Parts? Can they sustain? Other zombies? Them, like, I don't
0: think they eat other zombies. Yeah. Uh.
1: Yeah. They they don't address these questions. No, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Ed lives in the shed back. Yeah. In the backyard. Which
0: again, another reference um that I appreciated in the moment was like was Peter, their third roommate, said like Ed's gonna go have to go live in the shed earlier on in the film mm. because he was fed up yeah. with him. Um and then of course he does. Again, clever. Also, um this was the first time that I recognized Peter. Um or Pete, I think his name in the movie, who is played by Peter Sarovinowitz.
1: Okay. This is the third flatmate.
0: Peter Serafinowicz. Yeah, I got that right. Good job, me. Um, who is has been in this movie every time, but I know him most recently because... He <laughs> he's pl-
1: been in this movie every, every time? Every time I've seen
0: it, yeah. Um, no, I recognized <laughs> him because he played the Tick in the most recent reboot of The Tick. Ah. Um, although, very different character-wise, but still, like, he's very tall. I think that's what I noticed this time. I was like, oh, he's real tall. Um. Yeah he he plays the tick. He's done lots of things. He's a he's a character actor. He's been in lots and lots of things. He was in John Wick Chapter Two apparently. I don't remember that. Uh. Yeah.
1: I don't. He doesn't have a memorable face to me. Either. No,
0: he doesn't. He's not like like. I think that's why it took me four or five times just yeah. seeing this movie to go like oh.
1: Which I that probably that comes out as an insult. I don't mean that as an insult. No. I
0: don't.
1: But I, yeah, I can imagine the type of character he may have been in John Wick too.
0: Yeah, he was apparently the sommelier, which I don't remember in John Wick Two at all. But
1: well, really, no one is anything but an assassin in yes. John Wick. So <laughs> so they all have like cover stories. Yes. Um. Well, and in, in playing the face recognition game, yeah, did you recognize? Liz's sister.
0: Yes. But I knew who she was when we started watching Sabrina from this, not the other (laughs) way around. (laughs) Yeah, she plays one of the ants. I think Zelda or Hilda. Hilda. Hilda Aunt Zelda. Lucy
1: Davis is is her name.
0: She was the original Pam on the British version of The Office. Although her character wasn't Pam. I think it was something else. Um, And then she was in this. And so I knew her from Shaun of the Dead and kind of the original Office.
1: Ah, then you went over to Serena and you were like, I know who, this, I person know who is. this person is. Amy doesn't know who this person <laughs> is. She's not watched enough British media.
0: Yeah, I've watched a lot of British media. Um, I also appreciate... Um, so there's there's the funny moment when the Sean party meets up with the Yvonne party, mm-hmm. um, and they all have, like, duplicates of each other as sort of more a visual gag than anything else, yeah. and a setup for the eventual end of the film. Um. But Yvonne's boyfriend is played by someone who's very famous now.
1: Martin Freeman? Martin Freeman. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and he's he's just like a two-line bit part in this.
1: I, we were having this discussion because my parents saw Martin Freeman. Oh, they were watching Sherlock. Sherlock. They were watching Sherlock. And they recognized Martin Freeman from as the pilot in the Black Panther movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... Wait, okay. I guess he was in Black Panther, but that—that's weird. That—that's where you remember him from. See, he's been in—he's been in lots of things. So many things now. But okay. Yes.
0: Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, of course. Yes.
1: The, the Hobbit. Hobbit. Marathon of Hobbit. <laughs>
0: I think everyone's trying to forget the Hobbit films. I think that's what that is.
1: It, uh, yeah, but it is seared into my memory that it existed. <laughs> <laughs> and then all kinds of other yeah. British British things. Martin Freeman, and of course, Martin Freeman out.
0: was the Jim in the original Jim and Pam of the uh, the British Office as well. Mm. That was his yeah. his first big TV thing. Yeah. Um, again, not, neither of them were called Jim or Pam in the British version of the Office, but I don't remember what they
1: were. They were probably the. British equivalents. Yeah, whatever those are. Jim and Pam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It's a fun movie. It's definitely not my favorite in the the Edgar Wright oeuvre.
1: Yeah, I guess we're kind of moving through the Edgar Wright. We'll probably watch some more of the Cornado Corp. It's an ice cream cone like
0: Yes. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. Like a drumstick. Like a drumstick. But it's the Cornetto. Well, we've watched we we haven't talked about it on the podcast. We've watched Hot Fuzz before.
1: I'm confident we've watched Hot Fuzz before. Yeah, totally could have happened. Uh, I have a terrible long term memory. I don't. I don't remember things very well in the past. Um, I
0: will watch Hot Fuzz again though. I think Hot so. Fuzz is the funniest of the Edgar Wright movies. I think. World's End is a better put together film of the Cornetto trilogy. It is the sort of peak cleverness of
1: mm-hmm.
0: of what's going on there. But
1: well, yeah, I think I've gotten more interested in Edgar Wright. Yeah. Now as a filmmaker, so I w- I'm approaching watching these very differently than I would have ten years ago sure. when we probably watched probably it. watched
0: How to Fuzz, and you were and, like, yeah, that was and fine. That was,
1: yeah, <laughs> wasn't really thinking about it. Um, same way I'm interested in going back through some Ryan Johnson movies. Yeah. Uh, To see,
0: yeah, Brick or Brothers Bloom. I've never seen Brothers Bloom. I Um, have it, it's on the shelf, but I've never actually watched it.
1: Well, I'm like, I I remember watching Brick Mm -hmm. like 10 years ago, yeah, and it doesn't stick Mm -hmm. in my memory. I, but I think I would have a much better appreciation for it now, yeah, and I have much better grasp on performance analysis than I did 10 years ago. (laughs)
0: I've grown a lot in that space, maybe because
1: the 10 years in between were intense. (laughs) Very intense performance analysis. Yeah, that's all you did all the time. Um, <laughs> and now I can't stop. Yeah, hence this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, going back.
0: Yeah, yeah. Edgar Wright, Ryan Johnson are both really good directors. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good directors out there that that are on the. There, there's this weird space I think between, like. This is going to sound like damning with faint praise between like the Michael Bay's and Zack Snyder's of the world and like the Kurosawa's of these like filmmakers who understand film in really interesting ways, but still, still try to make popular accessible media. Kurosawa's not a good example there because Kurosawa stuff is super popular and accessible. Um, Who's a good example?
1: It's not popular in the way that pe- people would go see a Michael Bay movie. No, it is
0: not the way in the, the that way.
1: At least no. here in the U.S. I don't, in Japan, I don't know. I don't know how, how big it is. Yeah. It's viewed.
0: Um, I mean, like, Curacao movies are full of, like, action and <laughs> interesting things. They're not boring. I'm trying to think of, like, the Quintet, Mike Nichols. There's a good, a good sort of example of, like, art house films. He doesn't make art house films, but people would think he does. Mm-hmm. He's in the Criterion Collection and, you know... So
1: is Michael Bay. I know!
0: (laughs) So is Kurosawa. I'm surprised Edgar Wright isn't, uh, to a certain extent. Um, Yeah, although I think nobody wants to remember that Michael Bay is in the Criterion Collection. Twice? He's got... I think The Rock and Armageddon are both in the Criterion Collection. Mm. Um, Which is not to say that Michael Bay does exactly what Michael Bay does very well.
1: Well, and that was early Michael Bay before he really, really ramped up yes. by like a thousand percent the Michael Bayness. Yeah. Have we watched
0: the, the whole plate, the Lindsay Ellis videos on Transformers? No. We need to watch those. Um, I've watched them. They're very fun. It is film theory through the lens of the Transformer films. Um, and you at home, you should watch them as well. They're very good. Um, we've wandered a bit off track.
1: As we do, especially yeah. if we don't have much to say. Yeah. About- You're talking about ancient
0: aliens, just as a tag on the end of this?
1: Yeah, that's a totally different, no segue whatsoever. Yeah, but we know. just
0: watched it. We watched about 20 minutes of it, and then I got fed up. And that,
1: that was enough. The, every episode is the same, is. The basically. secret to ancient aliens is it's not aliens,
0: it's racism.
1: Yep, basically. <laughs>
0: could, could they have possibly come up with circles?
1: Yeah, well... Or- and then, yeah, yeah. It's racism in an interesting way. It's racism in, like, ancient, like, Asian and South American indigenous peoples. Mm-hmm. But not Africa.
0: No, we don't talk about Africa.
1: The aliens did not visit Africa. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like no, no pre-Columbian society could have ever figured out Basic physics, so this must have been aliens. That's
1: it. That's it. <laughs>
0: that's that's really what ancient aliens is.
1: And 4,000 years ago was really ancient. When yeah.
0: Really <laughs> humans,
1: <laughs> humans go back tens of thousands of years. Yeah. Like, There's a lot of human history. Just, that's what I would call ancient. Like, give me 50,000 years ago. Yeah.
0: None of this, like, civilization existed sort of stuff. Like, hey, the Mayas, the Incans, the Indian subcontinent, like, all of these massive civilizations that were a few thousand years ago. Like, how could they have possibly made civilization? Must have been aliens. Definitely. Definitely. You know, the ancient aliens never visit, uh, you know, Europe 400,000 years or 4,000
1: years ago. Yeah, they know. They go to, like, the Celtic sites. Uh, and, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. Basically the Celt. I, I think we have more Celtic artifacts than the earlier peoples on the European continent. That's probably
0: true. I, I don't know. I'm getting most of my ancient history from ancient aliens, so I probably shouldn't speak to any of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not a reliable source for your ancient history. No. It's not. It's not.
0: Quarantine right,
1: well, watching <laughs> It's fun to watch things when you can't do anything else. Yep. Woo, Woo.
0: <laughs> All right. Say goodnight, Amy.
1: Good night. But it's really morning. So it good is morning. Good really morning. Good morning. Good morning, Amy. Good morning.